This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. (laughs) You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end wow. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone with a fresh water supply. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nason, Chris Moxley is here, and I'm Felix Sharp on a dripping version of tonight's show. Is Quint Ewers a sell high? Will Austin and Colin ever be right on the Washington wide receivers? And is there a worse blue blood program than Clemson to be associated with? But we start with the sky is falling, Austin Nace, in college football, according to coach Nick Saban, who was quoted earlier today by 24-7 Sports, talking about NIL, talking about the transfer portal, saying, quote, that it creates a situation where you can basically buy players. You can do it in recruiting. I mean, if that's what we want college football to to be, I don't know. And you can get players to get in the transfer portal to see if they can get more someplace else than they can get at your place. End quote, Austin. NIL, the transfer portal. Are they sending college football into the dark ages? I think we all should have learned by now that Nick Saban is literally never wrong about these things. He's literally telling you exactly what's about to happen. He did it with the transfer portal. He said, you're going to let these guys go into the portal and they're all going to come here. Everyone laughed. They ain't laughing now because they've done it two off seasons in a row. And he's doing the same thing here with NIL. Like, it's it's a matter of time before Alabama gets on the level of Texas A&M and whoever else, and it's over. Like, it's over at that point. Like, you think Texas A&M is recruiting well, and there's some nobody, no-name program that nobody cares about. That force behind Alabama is going to be something to be reckoned with. So I agree, and I think we've talked about this on the show before. 
this is totally the NCAA's fault. They just said, you know, they put up their hands and said that we can't stop this anymore. And they've just kind of let this unfold. I don't know what the alternative is now that you've kind of opened up Pandora's box, especially with the NCAA not seeming to want to care about it at all. But something has to be done. And if honestly, Texas, what Texas A&M did this year should just be a total like a wake up call to like, this is not like an okay thing at all. No. Yes. Wait, Chris Moxley, I think we measure college football by interest, by numbers, by people paying attention to it. And NIL, Transfer Portal, is a is a subject that gets eyes on the sport. This can't be bad for college football that more people are paying attention to it. No, it's not. And it, I think that the powers that be, um, the stakeholders in the NIL – decision-making and a lot of like, believe it or not, a lot of it is athletic departments and coaches who are not really happy about the NIL. Like they're the ones that are excited about it. It's these NIL um, collectives. Like we saw at Tennessee, like we see at Texas A&M, Alabama just had one open this week. Like these collectors are the ones that are pushing it. And it's creating an awkward situation between the coaching staff and other um, and, and who's paying players and it's not an inducement, even though it really is, but we can't. But Nico Iomalieva has in his NIL deal that it is not an inducement, so clearly it can't be. <laughs> it's an awkward situation. It really is. Coaches, I don't think, are happy about this. But think about all the coverage that him and Dabba Sweeney are getting in the last week. You know that the, the NCAA is – they're kind of liking all the, all the debates that are happening. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Who's going to have the highest rated class? Overall – I think they enjoy this coverage, like you said, but there's a lot of friction, I think, that's going to come out of these programs until it gets regulated and nobody wants to step up. So it is a, it's going to continue to be an awful Friction situation. is good. It is good for the blood. Yeah. Controversy is good. Matthew, NIL, transfer. You got Jameson Williams going to Ohio State. You got uh, Jameer Gibbs going to Alabama. You got Jermaine Burton to go, go to Alabama. Like, this is good for the sport. It's, just, it's a, essentially turning into like a boxing show, like the the uh, uh, instigation of, of boxing, you know, how that, that turns into a spectacle. Only in America, baby. Only in America. Yeah, I, it's bad right now. I don't know that it stays that way. Quoting the great Saul Silver, you can't, once the monkey's out the bottle, you can't put Pandora back in the box again. I, I somewhat agree with that. <laughs> It's, a it's from a movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's Pineapple Express. Uh, he, uh, I remember that part. Uh, that's when they're at the playground and they're eating the, the... They just sold a bunch of stuff to the kids and they're eating the food. Anyways, anyway, that's, we're not here to talk about Pineapple Express. Anyways, right now I agree. It's not regulated, but it's going to be. They're not going to let it get out of control because I do think what Saban was saying in a way is true. They don't, and, and what Dabo has said, we talked a lot about this actually today in the Discord. Moxley and myself were talking with Cut Tiger, who's a Clemson fan, was kind of defending Dabo Sweeney because he's getting a lot of hate. And I actually kind of agree with some of the things Dabo was saying in that we don't want college football to become professional football. But these kids do need to get paid. And Dabo made a good point that I've never even really thought about. 99% of these kids don't make it to the NFL. 
So they 100% deserve to be paid if they can get that money. I do think at some point they're going to find a way to regulate this. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter, in my opinion, because what I think Saban is really talking about is going to continue to happen even if they regulate it. The top dogs in college are going to continue to win at this everywhere. It doesn't matter. Ohio State is still going to crush it. I think Texas A&M is going to stay up there crushing it. Alabama, maybe Clemson. I'm still a little not sure on that with, with the way Davos talked, but those top schools are going to continue to be the top schools, even if they regulate the NIL stuff. Transfer portal, we've already seen that's playing out that way. And my biggest fear with that, if you want to put the two together, is, and I know Austin has mentioned this before, we've actually seen a lot of kids get screwed now by the transfer portal. I mean, there are players that we thought were really good that are still sitting out, not on teams right now because they can't find anywhere to go because they entered the transfer portal. I don't know what that side of it is for the NIL that gets kids screwed, but I could see a way that that comes in. But at the end of the day, I think everything will level out. College football is not going anywhere. They will find a way to make this work to where people get paid but it doesn't like implode college football. All right, no, no disrespect, right? So that clip that covers me, right? No disrespect to you three, but you all are sheep. All right. In regards to the NIL conversation, this is the one area where we're like sports is the one area where we try to put caps on what kids can make for a skill that they have. If they were if they had some sort of tech idea and they could make millions of dollars off of it, they we would let them they would let them drop out of college. We would let them make all the money that they can. But because they can throw a football well or they can run fast or they can jump fast, oh, we got to bring in regulation because we don't want them to make more than these coaches. But they are more valuable than the coaches. And we're going to find out. There is not a how, single football player at Alabama that's more valuable than Nick Saban. Not a single And one. any given season, there is a player. Over, over the long term, I agree with you for as far as building – building a program. But in 2022, Bryce Young is more valuable to the Alabama program than Nick Saban is to the Alabama program. And we have been brainwashed to think that because an athlete is making has a max deal and they make $185 million a year, that that is a lot of money. We don't know what these these athletes are worth because there are salary caps. We might find out in college football what athletes are worth because there are there aren't salary caps. And you get a four-year contract for Nico Iamalieva for eight million dollars, as Chris Moxley is saying, then what is Arch Manning worth? What is he worth? If his contract could approach 20, 25, 30 million dollars and he is making just as much money as a first round NFL draft pick, then what are those first round NFL draft picks worth a, a $9 billion business that has a salary cap? So all I'm saying is, is that I love this because it is, it's showing um, what these kids are actually worth. And personally, I hope that there is not regulation to cap uh, what these kids can make. Can I, can I say something about the regulation real quick before we move off? I am not interested in capping the regulation. I think that we need to level the playing field across states and have national language for NIL. So, for example, Nico Iamalieva can get paid in the state of California as a high school student, as a minor. Arch Manning cannot. Quinn Ewers could not. That is the reason that he went to Ohio State. We are putting players at disadvantage if we do not keep this at a national standard. 
And so I think that's the big. There's no way. Point. There's no way to do that because it's by individual state law. I mean, there would have to be. It would have to be some. It would have to be federally regulated. So and that's, it's that's, not going to happen. That's, that's what, so what they're trying to happen, do. Happen, but that's, that's what, what they're, they're trying, trying to do. do. Yeah. So. Like, and I agree with Moxley. Maybe I, I should not have word, used the word cat because I do agree with Moxley. Like, I'm not saying a player should not be able to get as much as they want. They should. I have no issue with that. I want a standard. I don't want what Chris is saying in Nico can go get $8 million, but, like, unless Arch Manning moves to California, he ain't getting this until next year where Nico's getting paid right now. That's not fair to other – that's what I mean by a cap. Like, I think there should be a set standard so everybody is allowed a certain amount because – at the end of the day, whether there's a cap or not, we're going to see that just like you do everywhere else. You just mentioned a tech guy being able to go get money. He may be able to, but somebody else in that company's not getting as much as that guy, right? So Nico may get $8 million. Other players on Tennessee are not going to get that. I don't care about any sort of cap as in like a baseball cap, NFL cap. I just mean regulations set all around the United States so it's equal for everyone. And I think that is what's going to make college football, I don't want to say fair, so but it's, it's going to bring communism, things back right? in. Communism. Absolutely. You want everybody to have an equal share. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. All right. All right. No politics. No politics. Only ball. Um, all right. Let's move on here to the spring games. We talked. We gave some <laughs> spring game recaps last week. We're not going to do that this week. I want to ask you guys whose stock has increased and whose stock has taken the biggest hit over the spring thus far. And Matt, can we start with you? As far as who, I mean, because you've been doing the spring game recaps. If you aren't catching those on the YouTube page and on uh, the Campus to Camp podcast feed at the end of the week, you need to be. There's a lot of valuable information in those spring game re- or spring practice recaps, especially if you're in the middle of drafts. So, Matt, why don't you give us the guy or guys that you've seen have the biggest uh, uh, kind of you know increase in value over this spring practice season? Yeah, there's there's a couple guys that uh, I was going to touch on here. I mean, Evan Stewart's the big one. Um, I, I think he's really kind of of risen. He was a guy that I liked, and I know I think all of us liked him skill wise in the freshman guide. Our biggest concern was him going to Texas A and M, and I know this may be crazy to say, but I feel like he breaks that. He's going to break that mold of Jimbo not starting a freshman and, and them not succeeding. Literally from day one, since I started doing the spring practice reports, he's been with the ones. He was the third guy in that grouping with Chase Lane. And I cannot remember for the life of me who that other player was at the time. But he was in there with the ones from day one, all the way up to we saw him just do great in that spring game. He won MVP offensive player for Texas A&M through spring and just give it to him. He earned that. And by the last few practices, according to everything I was able to find, it was him locked in with Chase Lane as the one and two in that offense. We saw it in the spring game, and this is important. I know it's been brought up in the past what Jimbo likes to do when it comes to offense running the ball. And I've mentioned multiple times on this show now that he has said specifically in his um, uh, his I, it was something with twenty four seven Sports. He also had one with Josh Pate. I think it was based mostly around the recruiting class. Was that? God damn it. You guys are making me laugh because of the comments. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> he wants to pass the ball more. He wants to air the ball out. And we saw that in the spring game. The wind was, I think, like 40, 50 miles per hour. I lived here in Texas. It was bad over that weekend with the storms and everything we were going. And yet if you watch that spring game, they were still throwing the ball a ton. And he said it's because he wants to continue doing that through the season. He understands that's how you win. Evan Stewart is going to get the ball whether um, – I think it's going to be Haynes King that wins the job. But even if he doesn't, 
I think that regardless, Max Johnson will be able to get him the ball. He is a guy that I think is major stock up. Him and I'll mention Talon Cetron, Austin's guy, are the two freshmen that have gotten the most like talk in spring practices. Just his size and his ability to beat defenders, especially in the red zone, has gotten him a lot of love at Oklahoma State. I think he starts right off the bat. Uh, then two other guys that I just wanted to touch on really quick. Um, I'm sorry, there's two other freshmen. I'm just going to go all freshmen. I'll leave Evan Prater if anybody wants to talk about him. Tatora McMillan um, has really been good in Arizona's camp as well. He was a guy that I liked. I don't know. I know there was someone else in the guy that liked him, but we were all kind of torn on him. He's been really impressive. Him and Jacob Cowing have apparently been tearing up everything at Arizona. They finally have a good quarterback in Jaden Delora. But I actually think, and I've talked about this multiple times on those spring practice reports, that Noah Fafita is the future of that program. He looks really good. They talk about how they like him more than Jaden Delora. I think that he is going to be a guy that I'm willing to take at the end of my drafts, although I know Felix said that he went like You, you I, can't do it now because as soon as well, you tweeted that, he got freaking snapped up. I'm just like, this nobody – you cannot tell me that, that this person who drafted him did not get that name from Matt's tweet because I had, had not heard of that name. Yeah. Well, regardless, he's been amazing. They've talked about how he he understands the offense. Like, he's been in the program for years. He looks better passing the ball. I don't think there's any way he beats Delora out this year. I just Delora, he's, he's a veteran. He's got that presence. But if Delora is there again next year, which I believe he has the ability to be, I think there's a chance Fafita beats him out just based on what everything the coaches have talked about with him. I don't see why they would praise him that much and, and not actually like him. So he's a guy that I really like. Those – those four freshmen have really stood out for me, and I think that's an intriguing thing because the past couple of years we haven't really seen freshmen breaking out. I've I've kind of contended that I think a lot of that was due to that COVID year that we had that really kind of hurt the development of some of those guys. This year I think we're going to see a lot more freshmen kind of breaking out and, and looking better early on. Uh, well, speaking of freshmen, I mean, one of the guys that I'm touting is having you know increased the stock in this spring is a redshirt freshman in Drake May. Um, just how he looked in the spring game. And I talked a little bit a little bit about this in an AMA in the Discord. The, the thing about Drake May is that he has Phil Longo in his corner, and he's and Phil Longo's going to throw the ball, and he's got Josh Downs. Drake May threw a touchdown to Josh Downs. So did Jacoby uh, Criswell. But that whole North Carolina quarterback room, Jacoby Criswell might have one of the strongest arms in college football. Um, but so they've got the offensive system in place. May looked smooth. He looked athletic. Uh, I just, I, he looked like he was going to be their starter. And according to Brandon Sanders, he was warming up with the ones. And so I think that he's going to be their starter. If you have him, it's stock up for him. But then you look at what North Carolina is doing in the recruiting game. 2022 class, 14th, 2021 class, 14th, 20, I'm sorry, 2020 class, 14th, the 2020 and 2021 class were ranked 14th in the country and the 2022 class ranked 11th. They keep bringing in guys. Andre Green isn't on campus yet. Um, Amarian Hampton is not in campus on campus yet. George Petaway is a very high four-star running back, so they're putting pieces around him. Whoever ends up being a quarterback there, whether it's Jacoby Criswell, whether it's Connor Harrell, whether it's Drake May, who I think it's going to be, they're really set. North Carolina is doing an excellent job of recruiting, and quite frankly, I mean – if they overtook the ACC as the power of the in the ACC, I don't think that that would surprise anyone. So, um, give me that entire North Carolina quarterback room, but get, give me Drake May, Austin. Who do you got? Yeah, that whole quarterback room is really good. It wouldn't shock me if one of them leaves 
just like that whole room looked was very very impressive. Um, Shaman Medier, I think is just gonna have to be like my chant for the rest of the offseason. Uh, tight end at Cincy. Uh, I tweeted a huge thread the other day, like tight end in college right now is just awful. Like literally go look at any tight end rankings for Debbie for CFF for like anything like it's, it's mayor and Bowers. And then the rest of the list is just crap. Like nobody's broken out. We we don't know anything about any of these guys. So I, I I'm being pretty aggressive on some of these guys that are just like no names this offseason. I think Medier is going to be a big one. I uh, just took him in one draft. I'll probably take him uh, in the next one I'm doing as well. I mean, he's like 6'5", 252. He gained like 35 pounds his first uh, year on campus. He was a three-star athlete last year. Alfred really liked him. Um, they That game was close. We didn't get to see it at all, but he had two touchdown passes. It's an offense that in the past decade or so has used the tight end. I, featured might be a strong word, but like they've definitely used it, probably because they haven't had a lot of guys on the boundary that are great. I think that's probably the case again for them this year. So Medier is a guy that I think has a really high ceiling. He's my tight end eight right now because, again, guys, like you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even never even heard of this guy. And then go look mm-hmm. at the people I have behind him, and you're like, well, I've never heard of any of them either. Like it's just nobody. So he's a guy that I really, really like. George Petaway, like you mentioned, like they already said he's the RB2 there. Sounded like last year they only really ran one guy, and everyone was like, well, maybe they want just one guy. I think they want that Carter and Javante split. They just didn't have the horses last year to do it. Now they do because Petaway is the only guy in the roster that fits that role. So I think he has touches for him no matter what this year. I think that role grows a little bit because, I mean, it's – um, I'm going to get this wrong again. Is it British Brooks or Britain? British Brooks. It's British British Brooks who's going to be a 50-year guy. I literally can never get that right. Brooks is like nothing special. Like he's a fine back. I think it's actually really worrisome. For for maybe you know a Kamaro Edmonds or something that like this is the guy that has that job now, um, but I I don't think he's gonna take touches away from Pedway. I think it might be the opposite. And then I threw Austin. Ashton do you have a do you have a preference in that backfield between Kamaro Edmonds and Omari and Hampton? Well, I'm because gonna talk about Kamaro Edmonds later. Okay. Um, I don't okay. like either of them. I wouldn't. I I don't have any of them rostered. I will never have either of them rostered anywhere. Um, Genty, I love Genty. Um, talked with him last weekend. We're going to have a, a little interview coming out with him in the next couple of days. A really nice kid. He's already like stepped on campus. He was the second back there. He's been the second back. He scored in their spring game. Like he said, they want to use him a lot as a receiver. When I was talking to him, like I think they get what he can do. Um, so he's a guy that like the sky's the limit. I, I really, really like him. At, at worth, like I think he can beat Kyron Williams at Boise State. Like basically that guy. Skill set wise, De- definitely fans of Ashton Gentry. Uh, Chris Moxley, go ahead. Who you got? Yeah, one of mine was Connor Harrell. Uh, just speaking of the UNC QB room, I mean, I, I, he's an important call out because he is a true freshman who just stepped on campus, and he's probably the future of that program. He was he blew me away with how impressive he was. Um, we liked him a lot more than consensus did, and I think we're being proved right. You know, in our fre- our our twenty twenty two freshman supplemental guide. We, re- we liked him a lot more, and, and so he blew me away. But the other two I want to talk about, Jalen Daniels, who is the quarterback at Kansas, who ended the year like a little bit impressive. He had a 70% completion percentage. He had 80 rushing yards, three touchdowns in his last three games. He's a guy who's mobile. He's not as mobile as Jason Bean, but he does have an arm, and he can complete passes. He's accurate downfield. They're going to be in games where they have to throw – 
he's going to be the starting quarterback. He has, I think, command of that position currently. Uh, Jalen Daniels is a guy you can get late in Camps Canton Leagues who I kind of like what he can do, and he can provide you some spot starts, and he can provide you some upside. He really impressed in spring, and he really impressed throughout uh, the spring game specifically. And so it's, it's We should preface to... with all these players is that you could get them late in Campus to Canton drafts. That's true. Be- That's true. So. Yeah, before, before <laughs> this episode comes out, um, you can get them late. So we're live. Congratulations to our live listeners. Uh, last guy, and this is a guy that I've been on for like a really long time, Day Day Hunter. The transfer from Hawaii, he was the starting running back last year as Calvin Turner. Uh, he turns this to a more wide receiver heavy role. He's now at Liberty. He was the best player. For, he's the best player on Liberty's offense currently. Um, they, the beat reporters have been talking about him having 1,000-yard upside. He's a great receiver. He's a really dynamic player. I really, really like Day-Day Hunter. And I think Day-Day Hunter, I don't know if he has like true NFL upside. I, I, I don't think so. But he's a player that I think could be incredibly productive this year for Liberty since they don't have the same quality of, of quarterback play. And I think they're going to probably need to rely on the run game a little bit more. Yeah, dual threat guy for CFF uh, could be potentially very, very valuable in a Hugh Freeze offense that could be um, really good. Um, yes, shout out to everyone watching. We literally have ones and ones and ones of people watching. So shout out to them. Um, let's go to Stock Down. Austin, you want to take us with your stock down first? Yeah, I mean, Kamaro Edmonds. Uh, you were like, would you rather have Kamaro? I was like, come on, man. Like, it's like that I, didn't, time I that, didn't look at the show sheet, which is it's rare. Like, it's like that Saturday morning show we did that one time where we all had a name listed. And Felix decided he was going to do the show like three minutes before we kicked off. And we, he did his segment, and he literally took everybody else's names. <laughs> and we eventually just had to boot him from the room because he wouldn't stop doing it. Um, yeah, Kamaro Edmonds. I don't draft him this offseason at all, guys. At all. We we kind of liked him last offseason. I guess we should have been a little worried when he was like 190 going into his senior year. Like he was like George Pedway. And I was like, this dude is going to play the Michael Carter role there. And then I was talking to somebody about it and they said, he's 225. And I was like, what are you talking about? He gained like 30 something pounds his senior year of high school. He bulked up. It was not a good fit for him. It sounds like that's kind of carried over to his time at UNC. Like the staff does not care for him at all. I don't think he's going to really play at all there this year. Brandon Sanders, one of, you know, one of our CFF guys was at that game and talked to one of the staff guys there. And like his name didn't even come up when he asked him about the running backs guys. And Omari and Hampton isn't on campus yet. Like he's totally iced out there. He's not worth drafting in the 10th or 12th or whatever round. Like this is just a guy who, you know, there's a couple every year in a freshman class. We, we kind of like them. They go somewhere. And for one reason or another, they can, they, they just kind of crap the bed and then you just have to be done with them. It's a Jai Hall. It's Kamaro Edmonds. Like it, Demond Demoss. Like there's a, there's a guy or two every year. Those are probably the two guys last year. We always talk about don't take Jai Hall, don't take Kamaro Edmonds either. And if you can sell him, I think you can still kind of get him to somebody, an unsuspecting person for a decent price. I would definitely, definitely do that. I'm always conscious that we have people that are listening that aren't familiar, as familiar with these names. Folks at North Carolina, they're essentially trying to recreate the Javante Williams, Michael Carter dynamic. And UNC has a couple of players on their roster that fit that 
Javante Williams mold. Amarian Hampton is a freshman coming in. Uh, Kamaro Edmonds was a freshman last year. He uh, is there there this year. And um, Caleb Hood, who was a high school quarterback who is playing running back there, fits that mold. Bigger running back who's going to be a thumper. My favorite of the three is uh, Amarian Hampton, but there are varying opinions on him and he's not there in the spring, which is the same thing that happened to Kamara Edwins Edmonds last year, wasn't there in the spring and uh, you know, didn't have a uh, uh, good first season. Matthew, who do you got? Whose stock is down? Uh, unfortunately, this one's going to hurt uh, myself and Colin a little bit. I, I think Ty Thompson has got to start falling a little bit here. He, he's looked good in spring. So that part is a Ty little Thompson, bit encouraging. The, the freshman sophomore cor- or sophomore from yeah, Oregon for, from Oregon. From Oregon. Yes. Uh, but then Bo Nix transferred there, and there were some of us, and I'm pretty sure it probably was just me and Colin, saying, hey, he can still beat out Bo Nix. It doesn't seem like that is going to happen. In fact, just the other day, Ty Thompson was running with the threes, um, which I don't know is a massive deal because they do move those guys around. But I've not ever seen Bo Nix and every report that I've seen fall farther than the twos in practice. So I do think that matters. He's likely going to be the starter. And I think if he plays even decent, we I don't know that we'll see Ty Thompson on the field because Oregon doesn't have a tough schedule. Even if Bo Nix plays decent, I think they maybe only lose a game, maybe two. And if that keeps him on the field, that goes right into a guy who may not start till year three. And I know Moxley's brought up this up before. Other people brought up, like, you don't want to wait to see your quarterback start till year three. That's just not good. So I think he's got to take a little bit of a hit. Obviously, I hope that changes. But right now, it looks like that is kind of the route it's going. Uh, and then my other, my other one here is Arizona State. I, I mean, it has just been a downward spiral for Arizona State since COVID. Uh, a team that I, I will just, I won't say anybody I thought could win the Pac-12 the year of COVID and possibly even the year after they have just taken a deep dive from Jaden Daniels transferring out to now. I can't even tell you who these quarterbacks are that are on the roster. They had the kid transferring from Alabama. I know it was like a legacy kid from their bear. Brian, I think grandson or whatever. He has to transfer out to go to Arizona state. He's not even the starter. They're talking about some guy who's been in the program for three years. That's like never taken a snap. Now is looking like the best quarterback in practice. You've got, you know, Daniel Nagata and, um, um, who's the other, Xavier Valaday, who I know a lot of people were very high on. I mean, if this offense is going to look as bad as they're saying, is neither one of those guys has any value in my opinion. You know, you've got Bunkley Shelton, who we were hoping maybe was going to have a good year now. I think that's out the window. Like, they're just so bad. There's so much stuff going on around this team. I think they should have just fired Herm and that entire staff and just brought them in and tried to rebuild this spring. Uh, it, it is not looking good there. I think that's eventually what's going to happen this year is that team just completely bottoms out. Well, I think that uh, it, the athletic Andy Staples podcast talked about this, and I believe that Herm Edwards has a relationship with the athletic director there, a very tight he relationship. He the does. They're director. very, very close. And so, yeah. Yeah, so it's if it's going to be a firing of Herm Edwards, it's going to be a firing of the athletic. Is it romantic? Here. The way you phrase that, uh, Matt. I mean, they're they very, are, very, they're, very. It's one of the, I don't have reporting on they've that. They've been like very close, like best friends for I think like three decades or something like that. Like they're you know, it's like you and Colin. You're I don't know who their AD is. I, I, I don't remember his idea. name either. So, but they've oh, it's like okay. it I don't know if it was a he or she. No it's, idea. It's it's yeah. They're very very they're very 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 close. All right, uh, my stock down is the entire Clemson program. Um, in 
I mean, it's from the way the quarterbacks play. DJ Uyunglele, we wanted to see some imp- – this isn't spring practice. Spring practice should be relatively vanilla, relatively easy, even though the defenses are going to generally be ahead. But this is DJU's third year in the program. They split up the offensive line. That, to me, is just a lack of thought. You want your offensive line to be a unit. So they split up the offensive line. Um, Adam Randall is out for the year, or we suspect that he's out for the year with a uh, uh, ACL injury. I don't know that there is a wor- – and then Dabo, just saying Dabo stuff. I don't know if there is a worse program of the Blue Bloods. Now, some would argue that Clemson's not a Blue Blood because of legacy and what have you, but of the elite programs, I don't know that there is a worse program to be associated with than, than Clemson right now, as far as offensive development. This is obviously a fantasy show. Um, so, you know, Kate Klubnik, DJU, I, what are we going to see from Clemson again in 2022? It's probably going to be the same thing that we saw in 2021. Um, I can't believe Tony Elliott got a head coaching job after after that season last year. But anyway, that's my stock down. You just you hate to see it too, right? I mean, you just you just hate. It's, oh, it's the the worst. It's the worst. Man, it's the worst. worst. Good afternoon, nice my- program. Yeah, agree. Um, so mine is Louisiana, and the reason I I pick Louisiana is because they've gone thirty four and five in the last three years in the Sun Belt. They've gone 23-2 and in the last two years. This is a program that is one of the best G5 programs in the country, consistently producing, like, really interesting running backs. We've seen running backs come out of there that that are, like, high-quality NFL backs or getting drafted at minimum. Elijah Mitchell is a great example. This program is on the big downswing right now. Um, Billy Napier was not a great recruiter. I think he was an adequate recruiter, uh, especially at that level. But... They lost a lot of offensive talent, and I don't think they can replace it. So Osiris Torrance transferred to Florida, and he's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Uh, Shane Ballo foregone his eligibility to become a graduate assistant at Florida. He was their left tackle last year, uh, or, or he was a right tackle last year. Their left tackle, uh, Ken Marks, is gone. Levi Lewis is no longer there. This is a program that's going to be really bad this year, and I'm – really concerned because they're they're a program that could produce NFL talent and then it's not gonna happen this year. It's gonna be a lot worse than their twenty four and three record in the last two seasons. This is how we get accused of being college football debate and not Debbie debate. It's just y'all stole all y'all took all the good ones. I'm just saying Mike Valerie's gonna talk about you know how we don't talk Debbie enough and we, they, that's exactly they, we got blaming notable you. NFL hey, players. You, you talked to DJU. You hit the you hit the regular Devi quote of talking to top five or ten. DJU a Devi asset? Yeah, I mean, I mean he was yeah, one yeah. point, but it, to to the mainstream, yes. yeah, they're still talking yeah. about him. That's that's why we if you're in a, if you're in a if you're in a twelve team league with six rounds, which round of those six are you touching DJU on the Uh, dude, so I almost Am put I? DJ as one of my sell highs because he's still being drafted as a top twelve quarterback in C two C draft. No, right he's now. not. I just looked true. at the ADP. That's why uh, all three of my quarterbacks are being drafted highly, and that's why I put a question mark next to my third guy. Because I'm like, I don't understand this one bit. Every Unless time Felix I tweet about him, 
people like are like, yeah. I get shoved in the locker every time I say like, what are, what are we doing with DJU? <laughs> he so uh, even if right. even if he's better this year, which I have a hard time believing he could be worse. That line is going to get him killed. Like, yeah, it I is just a fact. That. Like, it, even if he is magically improved this offseason, which, like, again, like, he has the tools and obviously the, the pedigree, but, like, I, I realize Clemson has the best D-line in the country, but literally every play within a second, he had somebody just in his face this past weekend. And I don't think that's going to be significantly improved by putting the line back together and playing somebody else. Because guess what? Dudes on Clemson don't want to kill him. And they get the regular season. Those guys do. So, all right, Chris Moxley, why don't you shove us in a, in a, in a locker with uh, housekeeping? Let us know what we got to do. All right. So this week, if you didn't see, we launched our C2C first-timer leagues. If you're a first-time C2C player and want to join a league and you're not familiar with the format, let us help you. Here's how you do it. Join Cam Scanton as a yearly member. And not only does that count as your league dues, but we will commission your league to make sure that it goes smoothly. This way, you have commissioners who understand the process. You are surrounded by people who have the same comfort level that you do. We already have multiple leagues set up. We, we, I think we officially filled one today. We're going to fill probably another one tomorrow. We're on our way to a, a third being filled. Tonight, and we yeah. announced, yeah, we announced these leagues only two or three days, two days ago. This is a great introduction to Campus to Canton. And it's an official league run by us. You should have some comfort doing it. All it costs is your sign up as a yearly membership. And that is your league due. It's a really great deal that we're running here. Let's talk prize picks. All you have to do for prize picks, again, another great deal. We are your friends. Promo code Campus to Canton, or promo code C2C, $20. They will match your deposit. We're your friends. Yeah, we're your friends. I'm sorry, go ahead. We're your friends. Prize picks promo code, promo code C2C, $20. They will match it up to $100. If you sign up with $20, you will get $29.99 towards a year-long subscription. So you will not be signed up for a specific subscription, but you will get a $29.99 rebate for whichever price tier you want. You want to do tier one, that will pay for it. Tier two, that will pay for uh, $29.99 of the $49.99. Or you could go towards the NIL and you already have $50 covered. So price picks will also match. It's in a, the price fix deal is really an incredible value. If you are interested in any sort of MLB, Formula One, NASCAR, NBA, we have all of those picks and props available on price picks. To the the more solemn portion of the show, which I've been. I feel like I've I've been guilting y'all into this for a while. Um, you know, I've commented Discord about it, and I've talked about it really on the last few shows. That there's like a, a level of disappointment with with y'all, and you know, oh, no. I I do feel like you're freeloading a little bit. So here's here's no. the deal. It's over. Um, you had your chance, and I thought we were gonna play nice for a little bit, and I I gave you the freeloading. I said, hey, you know, you're a freeloader, whatever. The show is now a hostage situation. If we do not get a single rate interview between now and seven days from now, that's it. That's all. That's all you got to do between now 
seven days from now, one of these people will not be on the show next week. And each week this happens, we will go down one (laughs) other host. Oh, 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 no. You have four weeks to get four rate interviews. And so I, you know what? If it's not enough and I decide it's not enough next week or the week after, we'll, we'll see. This I'm, I'm kind of done playing nice. And I, I really felt like we did a really nice job just trying to let y'all just know that it really helps is, us. It's over. It's over. Felix is isn't on the show. Felix is not on the show next week if we don't get a rate interview. That's it. Wait, why, he's why off. Felix, like, what? We're not. He's it's off. not like a voting oh, thing. Oh. You just, you're just deciding who's gone. No, he, he, he. You're next after that. By the way, that's kind of fucked up. Oh, what the fuck? Felix is off. Ne- Felix <laughs> is off next week if we don't get a rate review. That's it. The. I, I mean, in that case, hey guys, to, don't. Rate we're never going to get a rate and review yeah, if you say you're getting rid of Felix. People are like, this is it. This is it. I, if you like any of these guys, because they're going away soon if we don't get a rate review. <clears throat> any cha- any channel, any app that you listen to po- podcasts on, all you have to do is rate and review Debbie Debate. Not Cam's Can. That's a whole feed of podcasts. Debbie Debate podcast feed. That's if harsh. We don't get, if we don't get rate reviews, people are going to be eliminated. And it's it's I'm going to put them down. That's the bottom line. I don't like how that's phrased. This? So, so I tried to I tried to reason with y'all. It's over. That's it. it it's, Are we supposed it, to had carry chance. on with the show after that? I mean, geez, yeah. Like yeah, Todd said, can we yeah, vote right. someone on like Survivor? <laughs> I've already made. I, this is this is not a negotiate. You don't negotiate with uh, in a hostage situation. I'm not open to negotiations. Chris I've already made my hostages. I've already made my decision, and it's Felix I feel being like that's confident. the exact opposite of what cops actually do. They usually tend to negotiate with the hostage. I don't hostage respond. Situations. I don't respond he's to negotiation. He's the Joker. Felix, he's Felix a mad, is off. He's a madman. Yeah, y'all can y'all can decide whether or not you want to rate your interview and keep Felix on next week. It's Matt. You can make the decision afterwards. Anyway, on a lighter subject, we have C two C merchandise, and. <laughs> Three of us are going to be wearing it next week, unless there's a rate in review. Three of us will be available to wear it. Four will not. Think about um, that. Uh, I guess on a lighter, much lighter note, I do want to remind everyone about the Debbie Summit on May 22nd. We are going to be, first of all, Brandon Lejeune, who is a master planner. Uh, everything that he does looks really good. Debbie Deep Dive. Um, the, the Debbie summit, May 22nd, is going to be a six hour live stream event. I will be hosting some portions. Matt Bruning will be there. Um, uh, Alfred Fernandez will be there. Matt Waldman will be there. I mean, we, I don't even know if we, we've announced the lineup just yet, but tune in. We're going to start at noon Eastern time and go to through six. We will be raising money for U- Ukrainian, uh, refugee relief efforts. Ukrainian refugee relief efforts. Our goal is $10,000. You can find that link. I need to tweet it out myself. Brandon has tweeted it out. But you can donate now. You can donate now. And there's merchandise. All of those proceeds will be going towards uh, the charity that we pick to support Ukrainian refugee relief efforts. So, All right. So May 22nd, mark your calendars. Let's move on here to sell highs. We did buy lows last week. Sell highs this week. We might get a little controversial today. 
Matthew, take it away with yours. Oh my goodness, I just saw Austin's on the show sheet. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep mine short and sweet since the axing of host on this show went a little long, I feel like. Uh JJ McCarthy <laughs> with uh uh JJ McCarthy kind of based on what yourself. I just mentioned with with the well, I already know I'm not first, so I guess I've got a little <laughs> bit of leeway now. This so is uh crazy. Now I've lost again. J.J. McCarthy, just like we talked about with Ty Thompson, I, I honestly don't see any way he starts this year dealing with the shoulder injury. He's not going to beat out Cade in, in the shortened fall uh, area. We know Jim Harbaugh. Is, it's just going to be hard for him to move off Cade. You don't want your quarterback to start year three. Again, he's being drafted as a top 11 quarterback in C2C drafts right now. So if people are valuing him there, I'm trading him for that value because it's only going to go down. Next up for me, all quarterbacks, Grayson McCall. Now, he's not getting drafted quite as high, but there are a lot of people who feel like he's going to have a good season for CFF. So if you want to hold him for that purposes, I understand. But I don't see an NFL future with him like some do. So I would try and move him if you can. Uh, maybe wait till after the season, but he's a guy I would try and sell now if possible. He still has a lot of buzz around him. And this last one, I just don't understand. He's being drafted as a, I believe, a top 20 quarterback in C2C drafts right now. That's Brock Vandegrift. Like, what the hell, people? What the absolute hell? Like, I get that a lot of you people pay attention you to what people. we say. Whoa. You people. You people. I understand that a lot of you people <clears throat> listen. What do you mean by you people? <laughs> I mean you people. <laughs> listen to what we say. Of course, I'm the only one who hasn't said anything, but go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Never mind. Besides that, you listen to what we say, and you guys kind of go off us. And I know Felix was very high on Brock Vandegrift, but Felix has not said a word about that guy in like over a year. And he is still being – don't shake your head, Felix. You were like convinced he was the number one quarterback in that class. He don't took him in the like first – he took him in the first round of our first mock yeah. last offseason. Anyway, um, a startup. Not a freshman. In, in, whatever. He is not – he should not be valued there. I don't think there's any way he – like, I honestly would not be surprised if in the next couple weeks he's transferring out. I, I, he's got no future at Georgia, in my opinion. And last but not least, I want to throw – I meant to throw him on there, Jaden Delora, because I do, again, think Noah Fafita is the future of that program. Delora, I don't know if we've got updated ADP. He's not being drafted that highly based on the current ADP I just saw, but he's kind of jumped the shark now at this point. He's the guy that everybody's talking about, so I would sell him now because he maybe has one good year, but I don't think he's got much after that. Okay. All right. Um, Austin, why don't you uh, shatter the earth with your sell high? Cameron Ward. That's all I got. Boo. Yes, boo. Boo. So I was I, I was with you guys on the Cameron Ward hype train um, to start the offseason. I think I still would be um, like his ADP now is 53rd over or 49th overall for, for C2C. He's close to that for for um, for CFF as well. Like it's gotten to the point where that's just not a value anymore. Like I'm not necessarily f- feeling a bet on a guy who's stepping up from a really low level of play. Like I get that the situation will be decent that, you know, that he's going to be with a coach that he's familiar with, that knows the system that knows him. But like, I don't think the, the weapons there are that good. Again, they don't need to be amazing with the system, but like it, it, it's, it's uh, Washington state. I he, he's, if you're taking him 50 something overall, you're assuming that he's probably going to end up being in the discussion to be a day one draft pick at some point. 
while I think that is certainly within the possible range of outcomes, I think that's not very likely. Devin Brown is a guy like Devin Brown goes after him. And I think that's really like not correct. Um, I, I, and so Chris is just going to say, well, then those guys should all just go higher and the camera work to still go there. But I'm not squeezing 25 quarterbacks or whatever into my top 50. And that's about the kind of guys you got to start getting in there to, to, to make this work. Um, So I, I, if you're getting that kind of value for him, first off, like if someone else takes him in a league in like the fifth round, don't be that upset about that. Cause that is a reach in my opinion, just pivot elsewhere. You'll be fine. And if you have him and someone's offering you that kind of value, I would sell him for that all day. I'll take a little more certainty over him. I, I don't feel that great about him going in that range. Devin Brown, Drew Aller should definitely be taken ahead of um, Cameron Ward. I'm the biggest Cameron Ward fan, but in, well, I mean, I do actually have Cameron Ward ranked ahead of those guys, and I might have to re- revisit that, but I, I, I don't, I, they should be taken ahead of Cameron Ward in startups. What do you got, Chris Moxley? Were you going to respond to Austin's uh, uh, slander? No, I, I just think he's wrong. Um, but I also <laughs> I also think that all those quarterbacks should be going higher as well. So yeah. like he's he got me there. Like I think he goes in an acceptable range and I think that like he and Ty, I have Ty Simpson above him and Ty Simpson goes like eight rounds later. So that's kind of where we are with Kemp's can ADP. So like, I'm not gonna really fight it all that much. Ty Simpson goes um, after Ty Thompson. Yeah, that's Ty crazy. Simpson wrong, Ty Simpson is no longer the best value. Because apparently everybody's taking him now. I say one good thing about him, and now he's the hottest shit on the street. Um, whatever. So my, I'm, I'm going to just stick with one position group at one university, and that is the Washington wide receivers. Yeah, y'all got to chill. Yeah. We're got to chill. Yeah. What? That's what right. has either of these players done? That's to right. Work Not a damn thing. A, a Debbie value. Debbie debate. Or Not a damn thing. Or CFF value. So from from a statistical perspective. 1.14 yards per team pass attempt for Jalen McMillan. 1.01 <laughs> yards per team pass attempt for Romo Junze. Of all players that have been drafted since 2004, 403 that did fail to cross the 1.15 yards per team pass attempt in year one or two, 5.2 of them have been day one or two selections. How and when we look at only four... We're looking at only four and five stars now, right? 9.6 of players that failed to cross this 1.15 yards per team pass attempt threshold have been a day one or day two pick. So 13 of 132 players have done this. Of those 132 players. They can't do it. None of them. None of them have finished in a top 24 season. We have never seen a top 24 season at the NFL level from a player of this caliber who's done so poorly through two years. Nope. In, in, in a team-adjusted situation. I'm not saying Washington's a terrible situation. Team-adjusted, situation-adjusted, pass attempt data doesn't support it. So we don't think that they're – I don't think they're Debbie values. So they're nope. going, respectively, wide receiver 33 and wide receiver 25 in C2C ADP. In CFF ADP, they are wide receiver 46, or rankings, sorry, wide receiver 46 and wide receiver 51. What are these players going to do for you? There's no upside on anything. Like, they're the worst, single two worst values in 
Cam's getting drafts right now. They're both going top 100. It makes no sense. Why, why, why are the CFF folks so low on them, Chris? Is there no belief that that offense just basically blows up this year? The best receiver in a really high-powered Kalen DeBoer offense is still kind of like not great production. The reason Jalen Cropper was so good last year was because of touchdowns. Like they spread it out a lot. And I had, I drafted Roma Dunze today in a draft, a CFF draft. And Jalen McMillan was drafted, I think, four rounds after. They're like 18th, like 18th rounders and 22nd rounders in CFF. Like they have no value because that offense is so hard to predict. We don't know the quarterback situation. Caleb Bredor, Caleb DeBoer wide receiver ones aren't as productive as we think they are. Like there's a lot of data that just doesn't really support their crazy high level production. We don't know who it's going to be. So there is an element of risk there. One of them is probably a top 36 wide receiver, but probably really hard to predict too. So what do you think of my bet with, what do you think of my bet with Felix that Jalen McMillan out catches Jalen Cropper this year? I, I don't agree, but I, is it crazy? No, it's not. Jalen McMillan's the possession guy in that offense. Roman will won't play a possession role, I don't think. So I'd like Cropper more, but whatever. Let me just feel good. All right, well, let me get mine out of here because we are – let's go. Um, I, this hurts me because this is one of my favorite players. But if I could – when I say sell high, I mean if you could include this player in the trade to get like an established NFL player. Or a or a better uh, a college player where we've seen more out of them than I would do it. And that's JoJo Earl, okay, a consensus top ten wide receiver for us who has not had a substantial role. Anytime someone's value is that high, it could potentially be a sell high opportunity. Bill O'Brien emphasizes the outside wide receivers. That's going to be Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks in twenty twenty one. Devonta Smith, John Mechie, the year before that. You go to his time at uh, Houston. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. You don't see like a Wes Welker, a uh, uh, Jerry Judy type slot receiver having success under Bill O'Brien. Um, Braxton Miller in Houston never worked. Kiki Kuti, who I think was a good player, did not work with Bill O'Brien. Slade Bolden last year, 42 receptions, uh, 400 408 yards. I mean, I'm just a little bit nervous. I really like JoJo Earl. The way he moves reminds me of Dante Hall. Sometimes people don't think that that's a great comp because Dante Hall was just a return man. But the way he moves reminds me. And Dante Hall would probably be great in college now. But So JoJo Earl is one of mine. Because of LeBron, it's not because of it's not because of uh, it's not because of of the talent or the the or the situation, whatever. My other one, Matthew Bruning, is one Quint Ewers. Quint Ewers in twenty four in in his sophomore season played fourteen games. That is the season that launched him into this number one overall player one rating status when he threw for 4,000 yards at South Lake Carroll as a sophomore. His junior season, he plays eight games. It was injury. He had an injury, came back. He played eight games. Then none in the 2021 season because he he um, reclassified. I agree. I agree with Brad McDaniel at Debbie Watch that you have to have live reps 
to get better at that position. And Quinn Ewers hasn't had a whole lot of live, live reps in a long time. Brad tweeted this uh, uh, earlier in March saying that uh, finding quarterbacks who decided to skip their season, senior season in favor of going to college, John David Booty, Jake Bentley, JT Daniels. That is who we're talking about, the company that – So hang on, hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're going to talk about the number one rated quarterback in his class, like one of the right, highest hold, rated quarterbacks right, ever. Don't, don't, don't interrupt. That is, that is in bad taste. All right. We're – I hate to do this. It's time for the people's court. All right, Judge. We are calling the, the case. case of Quinn Ewers versus the people. This is, this is the case of Felix Sharp versus the Campus Cannon and Devi community. His claim is that Quinn Ewers is overvalued. I'll allow Matt to go first. As Felix just presented a strong case, let's hear it. Well, thank you, Judge. I, I appreciate you allowing me the time today. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury and your honorable Judge Moxley, I'm here tonight to defend the good name of Sir Quinn Maximus Ewers. Much like we saw in the New York Times versus Sullivan, this is an absolute case of defamation against my client. This is, is ridiculous. He has not stated any worthy facts. Although, I'm glad that the, 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 the uh, prosecutor over there brought up John David Booty because he will be mentioned here as we move through and talk about what Quinn Ewers is going to do in college. Now, let's take this front right off the front. There is definitely some projection here. We do that with everything. Using the prosecutor's arguments against him in the past, he argued at this point in time last year that Troy O'Meary was a buy. Did that work out? It absolutely did not. However, to give him props, two years ago he argued to buy Zach Wilson, and that did work out. Why? Because of projection. You have to project forward on these players. So what I want to do today is talk about who he has been paired with, and that is Steve Sarkeesian and how quarterbacks have performed under him. And let me tell you, there is more than you can shake a stick at. Carson Palmer, 58% completion percentage with 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions in his first year, correct? This is at USC when he was a coach. Then you go to Matt Leiner, 3,000 yards, 63% completion percentage, 38 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Then he moves on to Oakland. You get to Kerry Collins, right? Not a great quarterback, but still 3,000 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. So you're kind of saying, okay, he's he's been good and bad here as an offensive coordinator. But then he comes back to USC. Matt Leinart again, he gets him, baby, for two seasons. Over 3,000 passing yards in both seasons, 28 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And then we get to the man just brought up who Sir Felix Sharp II, Esquire, mentioned. John David Booty, who skipped his senior year of high school, correct? Goes into USC and is a starter for three seasons with Sir Steve Sarkeesian as his offensive coordinator. Passes for an average of 65% completion percentage, 3,815 yards. I'm sorry, 3,347 yards, 29 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Follows that up with a 23,000-yard passing season, 23 touchdowns, 10 
interceptions, right? Then he gets Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez, baby. 3,000 passing yards, 34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Then he goes up to Washington, Washington Huskies. Jake Locker, do we think Jake Locker's a good quarterback? Absolutely, we do not. However, he is able to get 5,000 yards out of Jake Locker, 38 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Steve Sarkeesian, mind you, Steve Sarkeesian. Then he gets Keith Price. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know who Keith Price is, Your Honor. But I went in and I looked him up, and I don't think he's as good as Queen Ewers. And through three seasons with Keith Price, he was able to amass 8,757 yards, 73 touchdowns, and 30 interceptions in three seasons. Cody Kessler, 7,000 yards in two seasons, 68 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Then his most recent work with Alabama, Tua, we know who had a phenomenal season before he got hurt, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,800 yards. And then Mac Jones on route to what should have been a Heisman, 4,500 yards, excuse me, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. And last year with Casey Thompson of all quarterbacks, a absolute game manager with no more skill than a middle school quarterback, Your Honor. Middle school quarterback, mind you. 28,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. QBRs, 94.8, 96.1, 79.5, 68.2, 63.9, Statistically, Sark has been very beneficial for every single quarterback he has coached, not just in college, but in NFL. Go back, and I didn't bring up the stats, but the year that Matt Ryan had in the NFL as well with the Atlanta Falcons. So there is not no argument, in my opinion, for Quinn Ewers to be a sell high right now. You could argue that outside of Tua and Mac Jones, Ewers right now has a better group of offensive weapons than any of the other players I just mentioned. My argument is not that not to sell Quinn Ewers, but that you hold him for now because he is in the Big 12 where there was three defenses that finished in the top 30 last year, one of which was Oklahoma State, who just lost Jim Knowles, who they have equated was a big reason their defense was as good as it was, so they will drop. The next highest was what was uh, 23, Kansas State, and then Baylor, 28. We credit these defenses for being very good, but they were still barely top 30. Texas lost seven games last season, five of which were by one score. Two were blowouts. This offense is only going to get better with a guy like Quinn Ewers who has the recruiting pedigree and star rating, which you may think is wrong, but already holds a certain amount of top value. There is really no reasonable argument that Quinn will not be at least adequate in this offense based with the stats I just provided with what Steve Sarkeesian does for his quarterbacks. And so you will want to sell him realistically when his value should only get higher over the coming seasons. I will also like to add that my client this year, will pass for more than 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. I thank you. Good day. Judge, I mean, I think that he laid out the case for why Quinn Ewers is a sell high. First of all, his how can his value get higher? You all have him as the number one ranked quarterback with all of this stuff. Judge, look at the list of quarterbacks who is who have transferred this season. Caleb Williams, he's the starter at, at uh, USC. Spencer Rattler, he's the starter at the other USC. Cameron Ward, the starter at Washington State. Dylan Gabriel, not competing for the starting job at Oklahoma. Keaton Slovis, the starter at Penn. Adrian Martinez, the starter at Kansas State. Judge, Quint Ewers is locked in a battle with Hudson Card, whom Steve Sarkeesian said he wasn't happy with his performance 
in 2021 yet is locked in, into a battle with these two. I object. Order in the court. Thank you. I question the relevancy of both those statements, Mr. Sharp. I will. Uh, I will allow the defense to speak now. Thank you, Judge. We're talking about sell high, so they have to have some value. Quint Ewers' value can. We're essentially projecting him to be a first round draft pick without having played. When that's the same objection that Mr. Nace made about Cameron Ward, who we have seen play over two seasons at an elite level. We have seen Quint Ewers in the last two years, Your Honor. Those are facts. I, so I would like to two handoffs. Point of clarification from the prosecution. What is a higher level? The 150th ranked FCS defense <laughs> or the level of competition that South Lake Carroll plays on a weekly basis? The defense that uh, South Lake uh, Carroll plays. And I would also like to add the defense. Whoa, I didn't even get has, I got interrupted. It doesn't matter. I, the I, defense has made points. arguments that practice time matters. It's why CJ Stroud was the projected starter last year because practice matters. Did Quinn Ewers not practice at Ohio State behind a, a, a court coach that has put two quarterbacks in the first round in Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields? And I he practiced in that offense for, for an entire season. Again, I'm not saying that Quinn Ewers should not be sold, but I'm saying do not sell now. His value will only increase based on the season he will have, based on the stats I provide. You all have him as, like, the number one quarterback. How uh, How is his value going to increase? Please, please use some courtroom decorum. Please. Please. This is my court. I will. Judge, I rest, I rest my case. We'll get a ruling from your honor. I rest I, my case. We'll, um, I've sent the jury home with specific instructions. I think that we'll, we should get an answer within the next seven days. <laughs> within the next seven days. All right. Let's bring Mike Valerie in here. Mike, what can we expect in the after show? Yes, and if you uh, have a take on Quinn Ewers, you could go ahead. Yeah, he's already a first round pick. How's his value can get higher? But we'll move on. Um, we're actually going to do I some heavy debating. I, uh, uh, judge, judge, please. The, uh, judge, we're, the court's done. Uh, You're now being in held in contempt of court. Now, Mike now muting himself. We're going to be doing, we can't hear Mike. We're going to be doing some Debbie debating in the after show. As soon as we can get Mike's mic to work, it'll be the after show, the off mic after show uh, with Mike Valerie. So tune in for that really fun time. Check out the website, obviously, at Campus to Canton. We've always got something going on. You can get in one of these beginner leagues. Subscribe to the Campus to Canton and Debbie Debate uh, podcast feeds. The Campus to Canton podcast feed, Monday, Chasing the Natty, Tuesday, Campus Life, Wednesday, you're watching Debbie Debate or you're listening to it Thursday morning and then then, uh, Thursday evening into Friday, Canton Bound. Thursday, we also release the official on the YouTube channel. Friday is Brandon Sanders, future freshman, and daily. And daily, we have the daily draft report, and Matthew Bruning is doing an excellent job with the spring uh, spring practice recaps. All right, but that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We went too long with the Quinn Ewers discussion, but we will get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace and Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.
backfield. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter up the cut it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! Up, made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.